coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. You've had several different restaurants. You were living in Ohio. You had a, how many there? Nine. No, wow. Yeah. Right. Nine. <laughs> I remember it was nine. I didn't remember that it was all, all those were in Ohio. Because Grace is number 10. <laughs> number right. 10. Right. Awesome. I wanted to create a video that was slightly different than any food video that you see, you know, on YouTube or whatever. Like I said, we take it seriously. When we make food, we take that seriously. But mm -hmm. we kind of like to poke fun at the whole yeah. seriousness of the gourmet whole part of yeah. dining. Right. I never knew about fiddlehead ferns or sea asparagus <laughs> until I came to Grace. That is the truth. Well, <laughs> you're not alone. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guests are Marlon Kaplan and Jed Udelson from Grace Restaurant on Passa Grill. Grace turns out spectacular tasting, simple but unique dishes at their fun and friendly place at the beach. After the interview, we keep talking to Marlon and Jed on the controversial topic of umami and MSG. We, we have, have a great, great show, show, so stick, stick around. around. We are excited to announce the launch of the first annual St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Awards. So nominations are open now. Just go to stpetefoodiesawards.com and nominate your favorite restaurants. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Burr! It's a little chilly out there lately. Well, that's the perfect time for soup but not just any soup. 
Ramen is the ultimate chili day comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, will have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get warmed up and filled up during these mildly chilly weeks at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Shout out to Stacy Danino for being a loyal listener. Thank you for listening, Stacy. And now on with the show. Please welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast from Grace Restaurant in Paso Grill, chef and co-owner Marlon Kaplan and sous chef Jed Udelson. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Did I say it right? Yes. Good. Hey. <laughs> so welcome back, Marlon. You, you, Thanks for having us. You were on episode number two. Mm-hmm. which we actually recorded before episode one. <laughs> right. So you were the first person we ever recorded with. And I think for it being the first time, we did good. Mm-hmm. But when I go back and listen to it now, I can tell that, okay, we've had a lot more practice since then. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, yeah, maybe we can do better. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. But I do encourage anybody listening, especially any fans of Grace Restaurant, to go back and find, just Google St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast two number two and listen to that one because there's some great great stories that we're not going to repeat on this episode but i will just mention what they are the first one that marlon when he came when you came over that day you were like i don't want to tell this story i've told the story a many times. <laughs> right but then you were very it's such a good story but you were very kind and told it anyway but yeah. you were in advertising on madison avenue in new york that's correct and one day you just figuratively said, take this job and shove it. I want to be a chef. I'm not going to be in advertising anymore. Right. But we are definitely utilizing your advertising background recently with some videos, which we'll talk about in a, in a bit. Mm-hmm. And there's another great story on a chicken dish. You've had several different restaurants. You were living in Ohio. You had a, how many there? Nine. No, wow. Yeah. Right. Nine. <laughs> I remember it was nine. I didn't remember that it was all, all those were in Ohio. Because Grace is number 10. Number right. 10. Right. Awesome. There was a chicken dish that you had at one place, and then I think it went away for like 10 years. And uh, Actually, it was 18 years. Wow. 18. And a woman walked in that we had dinner with before we opened and recalled the dish to a tea. <laughs> and I said to my partner, Lisa, I said, well, if someone can remember a chicken dish like this, yeah. right. it, yeah. has, it, it has to go on a menu. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But, and then I had that chicken dish after that episode, and it was delicious. And Amazing. so did Laura Riley, who had the chicken mm-hmm. dish. Oh, that's awesome. And bragged about it in, in her review, and mm-hmm. everybody in the world decided to come in and have that chicken dish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't get away from the st- story or the chicken, chicken. Dish. right well we're gonna do our best to okay. put an end to that <laughs> oh and then we started that one off with me incorrectly describing the food at grace as gourmet yeah i think that's an overstatement 
I guess I guess I probably incorrectly used the word when I just think food is amazing and a little bit unique and what you said back then and I'll, I'll let you say how you want to say it now but that it's simple food it's it's approachable but where you really care about the ingredients right well, that's all true I think what we really think about is the whimsy of it and you know, Jed brings an enormous amount of classical technique mm-hmm. to what we do. Okay. And we've all, I've always wanted to have food that is easy to understand, that's not complicated to the palate. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's technically sound and it's quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't paint our plates. We don't, you know, we're not really precious with the way we do the food. But the food, I mean, if you, look at our, yeah, yeah. If, you, yeah. if you look at our social media photos, they're absolutely works of art. And I have to take mm-hmm. my hat off to, to Liz, who's our photographer and social media maven. And she has really uplifted and she has sort of made the food as symbiotic as the photographs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Liz so. is... Yeah. Very talented. She does a great job with the photos. And she's very creative, too, along with you on these videos that we're going to talk about. Right, right. And lucky for us, in doing the videos with you guys, we get to go back in the kitchen. And when you said, you know, Jed has the classical training, training. Yeah, you can, you can really see that. Yeah, I think that, you know, the videos, and not to get deep into it right now, but, you know, the videos are an extension of what we do. And I wanted to create a video that was slightly different than any food video that you see, you know, on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, it's not really about the recipe. It's more about the technique and how we do things, I guess. But they're entertaining as well. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes, they're entertaining. (laughs) And when you said a little bit different, I think maybe the first one or two were a little bit different. Now they're, I think, a, a lot different, only in the aspect of there's some great entertainment in the beginning mm-hmm. and then we go into the kitchen you see the food being made and everything is an actual menu item correct and, and, and well the one thing i was going to add about that is that you know the videos reflect our feelings about the food that we do mm-hmm. okay so that they're artful they're whimsical comedic correct <laughs> <laughs> and you know the like I said, we take it seriously. When we make food, we take that seriously. But mm-hmm. we kind of like to poke fun at the whole seriousness yeah. of the gourmet whole part of yeah. right. dining. And I, and I love that because that's exactly how I approach my whole life. Is, <laughs> you know, there's times I'm just like yeah. ridiculously silly. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> there's other times I'm so ser- serious. I'm scary. That is very true. I can attest to this. <laughs> well, that probably attests for the uh, intensity of a person, you know? Yeah. They have yeah. fun what they're doing, but then when it's serious time, you go for it. Right. Yeah. Let's mention a few of these before we go too far on the videos. When we were talking about the ingredients, on the one hand, as you said, it's, more, it's simple food. It's approachable, but the ingredients are very important. And I never knew about fiddlehead ferns or sea asparagus <laughs> until I came to grace. That is the truth. <laughs> well, you're not alone because yeah. I would almost say that 85% of the dining public 
don't know about fiddlehead ferns mm-hmm. or sea asparagus. Yeah, and I just love that because I, I always love finding new things to try and eat, and can I usually like everything. Right, and you only have those on special occasions or when they're in That's, season. Yeah, I mean, we just, when it's appropriate, when it's seasonal, right? we bring them in. Right. So the back to the videos now. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rattle off the menu items that the videos are about, and then we'll see how much we might want to reveal here and how much we won't. Do we want to talk about how that started? Yeah, we were uh, at Grace, and Marlon said, hey, can you guys do videos? <laughs> and I said, yes. And so we have Haley, who actually films the video, edits video, puts yes. them all together. Yeah, shout out to Haley, Haley Heyman. Yes. She does uh, writing, photography, and video for us. Yes. And the videos that we've done are Charred Octopus, Semolina Crusted Lobster Tail with Rattlesnake Mac and Cheese. There's no actual rattlesnake in it. <laughs> Roasted Stuffed Squash, Potato Crusted Florida Grouper, and the latest is USDA Prime 24-ounce Dry-Aged Ribeye. New York Strip. And it was pretty cool when you pulled out the entire chunk of meat. It's yeah. huge. How many ribeyes do you get out of that? I think in that particular one we got nine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, they were big. You saw mm-hmm. well, and how yeah. large that yeah. was. I mm-hmm. mean, one time we broke down and took the the bones off, mm-hmm. you know, and the fat cap and everything else that goes with it. It's not as big as you think, but that steak is a hefty steak. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the evolution of the videos. Okay. So the first one we decided was going to be the oct- octopus dish, which was not a dish that I wanted to put on the menu. But Jed convinced, <laughs> Jed convinced me to put it on the menu. And Thank I you, said, Jed. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't sure. He was like, no, I don't think that'll right. sell. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we decided, okay, we're going to put it on the menu. And it started to do okay. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it took off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing about Jed and I that I think is really endearing is that we play off each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Jed will say, okay, I want to do this. And then I'll go, okay, how about if we do it this way? And he'll go, okay, maybe not, but let's try this. And, <laughs> and, you know, and so that's we go, the best way to create, Okay, really. so we yeah. go back. And I'm really not very pro- proprietary as a chef about what we do. I just don't want to ever be embarrassed about what we put out. Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, Jed had the technique for for cooking the octopus, and it's foolproof. And I came up with the cucumber salad, the pickle salad that goes with mm-hmm. it, and the kind of the presentation. Good teamwork. So that was that dish. It is now, I think, one of the best octopus dishes. So did it take off? Before? We agree. <laughs> yeah, we agree on that. Before or after the video, it took off. I think it was taking off, and then we did right the video, the and the video got a lot of looks at. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the most liked videos of them all so far. And it, and you know, it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's you know when, <laughs> well, when Jed holds we, yeah. holds up the whole octopus, <laughs> you know, it's people like go oh, you know. But you don't, know, don't post it in any vegetarian or vegan. Right. Or we, we thought Peter might be showing up at the door. You know. Right. <laughs> Think on that particular place. It's it's a very educational. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, video. that one's more like a straightforward yeah. cooking yeah. video. So the way we made it a little different was we decided to do it in black and white, mm-hmm. and now that. that prompted a discussion between yeah. all of us yes. yeah. and a storyline too right. yeah. and so you know 
I think the black and white one is is really it's unique. It's kind of like film noir, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. I just keep want to push the envelope of what can be done, and basically look. I'm not going to say that they're high budget, but the, it's a pretty low budget production. Yeah, and that yeah. one was. Yeah, we're doing it on a on a, on a tight budget, which is fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having fun with the creativity. I mean, right. the, the fun the fun is like the best part of it. You know, yeah. being creative, and we do have a nice color shot at the end of the food, so you can. Well, that's a consistent a element of mm-hmm. it, right? There's elements to each one, There's, and we interject the color in spotty places. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we move forward, we said, okay, we're going to stay with black and white, but we'll inject color at the right time, and that's a perfect you know way of showing people that we all collaborated okay mm-hmm. and let it happen you know it's kind of organic yeah. in that respect i think we're all a good team in that respect and shout out to chris walker so technically you can't use whatever music you want legally on videos but marlon and, always has an idea but, in his head he you, always you knows want, what he wants i forget the name <laughs> of the song but the the intro song on pulp fiction Mizaloo. Mizaloo mm. is what you want it and when i convinced you that our sound's going to get taken out of the video <laughs> when we post it on Facebook. If you use that song, we got Chris Walker, who does our theme music for the podcast, to write a similar piece of music. Yes, but it was original. He did so a great job. The first two videos, we have original music, and then on the others, we have music that is in the public domain. Right, yes. and they but those that music was appropriate. It was yeah. for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yes. So the the evolution we, the so evolution now, continues as. With each video, things have gotten, let's say, more creative and entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, it all starts when we're in the kitchen and we're like, hey, I got an idea for this. And so, we're like, yeah, I think what, what happened was, and I can picture this, is that we were standing in the bar at the end of the last one. And yes. you asked me, so what are we doing next? And I said, well, we haven't done beef. And they go, okay. And everybody started to get up and I go, we're going to get a cow. <laughs> and they said, what? And I go, yeah, we'll get a cow, and I'll put it on the beach, and we can lead it in. And Yeah, that was the night we were having dinner, and you had a big dinner party, too. You had a lot going yeah, on that night. Yeah, we had a lot going on. But anyhow, I, you know, so we, we do have a cow, it's, we, yeah. and it's grazing right out in front of Grace. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, because you wanted to top yourself from the previous well, video. Well, the previous one was a really good one on the grouper, mm-hmm. you know, and that I think people like, you know, really liked it, and everyone kept saying, "Did you really catch a 35-pound grouper down at Mary Pier?" <laughs> yeah, we really did. That's when our storylines <laughs> developed after yeah, that video. Right. We were like, yeah. oh, "We yeah. got to keep going." And I, I want to say one thing, one one little reveal on that one to get people to go watch it. That one is in the style of Charlie Chaplin, yes. Yes. including actual Charlie Chaplin music from 1924, which is in the public domain. It's extremely entertaining. Great. Yeah, the grouper one is. Yes. I think the cow video will become oh, yeah. the, the new bar yeah. of, I think of so creativity. Too. Yeah. And as of this podcast, it should be done. Yeah. Because right it's, it's, when be, this it's podcast airs, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, final touches are going on it as we're recording this. Yes. So why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back. We'll get to know a little bit more about Jed. And then we're going to have a conversation about umami. We'll be right back. Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build your own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving 
and puts you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by Build Your Own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later, and I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day, and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG, because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese, and it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list, best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Mary's, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays, and they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 1030 and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. We are back! We are back! We are back on the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast with... Chef and co-owner of Grace, Marlon Kaplan, and sous chef, Jed Udelson. And Jed, let's find out a little bit more about you. Okay, it's your first time great. here. Yeah. yeah. So I'm originally from Long Island. I'm a native New Yorker, Long Island. Grew up in, um, on the South Shore and Montauk, the very tip of Long Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always were fishermen and around a lot of food, of course. Started working in restaurants in um, Montauk, which is a very, um, you know, vacation place. Um, Mm -hmm. As I got into my first year of college, I went into a hospitality program at Nassau Community College, which had a great program. We had a lot of great instructors. And then I decided to go to the Culinary Institute of America. Nice. There I spent two years, graduated in 1991. The exposure to food is unbelievable up there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky enough to be able to go to the city and work in the city in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a really good time there. And right after I graduated uh, the Culinary Institute, I moved to Miami Beach in the early 90s, which was starting its blow up with uh, the food scene. And uh, Mm -hmm. it was really great time to be there. I moved down. Well, I worked near Miami Beach 
in 96, 96. From, from New Jersey. Yeah. And so I used to go to the city to eat all the time, New York. Mm-hmm. So I was right on Lincoln Road, like in the beginning oh, yeah. of my career. And that's when Miami Beach wasn't even really, they were just starting and mm-hmm. it was just a great place to be. Mm-hmm. And I actually started working in private clubs. I worked um, a few private clubs in Miami Beach that were really nice, high end. And I became executive chef at 25 at the Bath Club, which is one of the Miami's oldest private club. I did another private residence after that. And then I decided to get out of the private club scene. Mm-hmm. And I wound up moving up to North Carolina, the Outer Banks. Just a different exposure, different um, food set up there for sure. Mm-hmm. And then it got too cold, so we came back to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> right. How did you decide on St. Pete? Well, mostly because my daughter was here. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But um, I, I came here a few times to visit, and I saw that it was more metropolitan, and we had a lot better food scene here than where I was, which was in Melbourne, Florida. Mm-hmm. I worked at Pia's for about six years as a sous chef. Mm-hmm. A couple of little places after that, and then I met uh, Marlon and Lisa. That's when we started our little adventure. And uh, when, when was that? It was a year ago. Yeah, about okay. April of last okay. year. I think we really have something good going on now, and we uh, get a good creator, creative mode going. And uh, it's not easy to meet people that you could, uh, you know, bounce ideas and the symbiotic relationship that everybody um, is is thriving in. You guys are like Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> yeah. I want to be McCartney. Pass a grill, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jed. <laughs> That's funny. From Miami Beach to Pass a Grill. I know. <laughs> Pretty cool. You you worked with uh, Sean Ford a little bit. Yeah, yeah, me and Sean worked together right up the block here at um, at the Grateful Fed Pub. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he was at Trist, and then he opened his own place, Grateful Fed Pub. Mm-hmm. Then he helped open. Tropez. Tropez, thank you. And now he's back at Trist. Yes. Yeah, and we're both graduates of CIA, and we had that camaraderie between us. We had a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, I wanted to do a shout-out. When you guys first opened, what brought us in originally, because mm-hmm. we're thinking, you know, yeah. we don't normally think of the beach to, as having, you know, spectacular food. Right. You guys have spectacular food. But Jenny Parrish was working there. She no longer does. And Ken Nightingale mm-hmm. was working there. Both of them separately sent me private messages going, oh my God, you guys have to come out and try Grace. It's yeah. amazing. Oh, amazing Grace. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> that was an accident. Oh, honey, you're so funny. But we, you know, one thing, there's a, we love all your food, but one of the things that we always get every single time, and I know that you know this is true, are the salt and sugar cured heirloom tomatoes. And one day when I posted them, somebody made a snide comment. I had deleted it, but they said, Oh, great. $14 for that? (laughs) And I was thinking, hmm, I don't know. Is that expensive? So last weekend, we went to the market, (laughs) Saturday morning market, and we got some heirloom tomatoes. And and I paid for them, so then he asked me. How much much were those? Do you remember? I think they were $9. Yeah, but... $10. I I think we figured out that if we tried to duplicate that dish at home, we don't know if we could do it for $14. (laughs) The and it's worth every penny. Okay, so the ingredient level, when you think about all the things that go into it, it's not just a bu- some tomatoes. Right. It's got pistachios, mm-hmm. extra virgin olive oil, mm-hmm. orange blossom water, okay, salt and pepper. Basil. Basil. Right, okay. and people go, don't think about go that. Go try to go buy those in those products. 
individually, right. and it will add up to more than fourteen. Yeah, it would. just exactly. for just for the one single item that you want to make. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think from a pricing point of view, our restaurant is really very very affordable, considering what products you yeah. get to eat. Yes, I, I agree. mean, on the beef that we serve, it's USDA prime, all of it. Mm-hmm. And that not, alone, not too many people are serving prime these days, right? That, yeah, yeah, because the price mm-hmm. at one point, the fillet that we offer was forty-seven dollars a pound. That's wow. cost. That's wholesale cost. Wow. Right. Yeah. So if you think about, okay, it costs twenty-two dollars just to have the beef, or twenty-three dollars, mm-hmm. and that doesn't include any size, anything else. Or the expert prepping cooking. And how it's cooked. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you can't necessarily buy it in the store, right? Because I don't think public sells that much prime. Mm -hmm. It's a bargain at $38. Yeah, it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm surprised people didn't come in and just order the fillets and say, I'm going to take them home. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So you're coming out with a, a new menu tomorrow. That's correct. Yeah. And there are going to be a few items that are going to disappear, but uh-huh. we've Uh-oh. added a lot of really nice, <laughs> But fresh the new things will be so good that they're not going to remember them. Yeah, I, I think it's always a challenge to decide how long to keep something on the menu and, how, and when it needs to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a place that constantly are evolving with our food and how we do it and what we're doing it. I mean, it's just, we do almost six or seven editions every week. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what keeps people coming back. I know that because if you just have a menu that is, you know, after you eat two or three items on it, you go, okay, I don't have any, there's no compelling reason for me to go back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or three months, four months later mm-hmm. when people change it. And sometimes people don't change their menu for a year. Or ever. Or long, or <laughs> ever, there, ever. Are, there are places that never change their menu. Yeah. So... We try to do it seasonally, at least every four months, mm-hmm. and we try to stay within the confines of what's seasonal and what's what produce is available and what isn't. But we do, we make up most of that during the additions each week, mm-hmm. and I think they're very reflective. Do you I wanna, can say that yeah, a direction, I'm not going to say what, is that we are going more towards vegetarian um, and pasta-driven types of dishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are making your own house-made yes, pasta. We do, we, Giuseppe in there? Yes, okay. we, we do make our own pasta now, and we're very committed to that. And we'll have more to talk about that later. But I, I just feel that people need to eat less heavy protein. And mm-hmm. so that's why we're offering. What are the proteins that you will have? Well, we'll have be we'll have all of them that you so you're know, still gonna have a steak. We're still and like we're a gonna have a, yeah. We'll have we're just to, trying uh, to feature more like healthier and just versions. Yeah, not as heavy and mm-hmm. just quality. Use the the best ingredients to speak for themselves. Yeah, with, I like, mean, I mean the seasonality of you know the produce. That's what really drives the menu. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we think of a dish, I think about what vegetables we're gonna use first. The protein comes last. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty neat. That's our that's our thought process. Huh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. in this new menu, most of the items are going to fall off of what 
what's seasonal mm -hmm. and that's how we we would move forward and you'll see that there's there's a lot more vegetarian options lots more vegan options and and that's fun for us because we get to play with more um ideas of how to change things up of the traditional you know um veg vegetables or grains or whatever we might be using so it, it gives us a lot more creative uh I, th I think one of our roles in the community is to educate people on how to eat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily what you're going to have to eat, but how we choose to, what we dine on. And, you know, if we can be a little forward thinking on it, I think that's something that's it's an admirable trait to have for, yeah, and for a restaurant gonna, and you're not going to find that on the beach most of the places are tourist driven places which right. are Deep they're, they're serving the same stuff yeah, you right. go every place along the beach and they're going to have the same items and um that's what's different about grace is we're doing really good quality innovative food yes yeah and i just want to mention where you guys are pass a grill 128th avenue st pete beach look for the cow look for the cow <laughs> <laughs> uh, Website is gracestpete.com, and on Facebook, it's at Grace Restaurant FL for Florida. Normally, we say goodbye to you guys at this point, but we're going to have you stick around, do okay. something new. We're going to have a conversation about umami after this word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. How many times have you heard a restaurant say that they have healthy food that actually tastes great? I've heard it a lot, but unfortunately, it's usually one or the other and not both until the brass bowl came around. Right. Their food actually is healthy and tastes so darn delicious. So good. They use organic ingredients and responsibly sourced seafood. Brass Bowl offers gluten-free, vegan, and carnivorous options. There truly is something for everyone. You will find imaginative flatbreads, bowls, and tasty delicious small plates with options like fresh roasted seasonal veggies, 24-hour sous vide hanger steak, house-smoked salmon, and free-range chicken breast. And up front, they have a cold-pressed juice station and separate menu with juice bowls and elixir shots. It's like two open kitchens in one. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is really on the cutting edge of the fast, casual culture that is enjoying so much fame these days. Go get bowled over by Brass Bowl. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is located at 656 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete, and you can check them out on the web at BrassBowlKitchen.com. We're back on the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast, and sticking with us are Marlon Kaplan and Jed Udelson from Grace Restaurant, and we're going to have a little conversation about umami, which you may or may not, if you're a foodie listening to this, you probably know umami. And it's, back when I was in school, it was sweet, sour, bitter, what am I missing? Sweet, sour, bitter. Salt? Salt, that's it. <laughs> How could you forget salt? <laughs> so here's um, just a little timeline here. 1908 was when a Japanese chemist first identified umami as a fifth taste. And then in 1909, it's, the guy's name is Kikune Ikeda. It, it doesn't matter. Dr. Ikeda, <laughs> his company begins producing umami-rich MSG as a flavor enhancer. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be controversial. 1930s, Campbell Soup Company and other U.S. food companies embrace MSG becomes a common source of savory flavor in bouillon cubes, sauces, snacks, and fast food. 1968, a letter in the New England Journal of Medicine posits that MSG in Chinese food causes numbness, 
palpitations and weakness, with no basis in science, an MSG scare ensues. 1977, MSG manufacturers, distributors, and users band together to launch the Glutamate Association, aiming to rehabilitate MSG's image. They didn't do a very good job. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward to 2000, researchers at the University of Miami discover the tongue has special receptors for glutamate, lending credence to the concept of umami as a fifth basic taste. In 2006, Bravo TV's Top Chef premieres, beaming the term umami into American living rooms. The same year, Momofuku Sambar opens in New York City. Umami is a signature flavor. Two more. 2009, Umami Burger opens in L.A. with a conspicuously glutamate-forward menu. The chain grows to 27 locations, further promoting the taste and term far and wide. In 2019, not till last year, Merriam-Webster adds umami to its dictionary, fixing the word in the American lexicon and affirming the ascendancy of the flavor and the concept in American cuisine. This is from an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, in the Saturday, Sunday, February 1st, 2nd edition, the weekend edition. And further, it's a huge article. There's a ton more. This is like highlights. There's, you're going to like this, Marlon. They give four recipes for using umami. They're all vegetarian. Uh (laughs) yeah that's great so here's really the challenge about this is could you go on the street and use the word umami to anybody walking down the street could they identify what that taste really is right probably right right and we haven't done that yet no no i mean it's virtually impossible i wonder how the dictionary defines it well we can let's start off by Naming some of the ingredients that are umami, porcini powder. That's you mentioned. Yeah, we that use earlier. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Soy sauce, very common. Miso, fish sauce, anchovies, marmite. We learned about marmite from Chef uh, Tyson Ty- Grant. Tyson Grant at Park Shore, and there's some right over on the counter over there. Parmesan and kombu. So most of those appear in Asian flavored. Mm-hmm. Yes. Foods. Yes, mm-hmm. and they're very salt-driven yes. types of flavoring. Right, and so you know, I think American palates have become, um, or at least recently, people are very salt-conscious. I mean, we get a lot of requests: no salt, right? No salt. Please don't salt my food. Mm-hmm. And we honor all that, mm-hmm. but that's really truly the the crux of trying to develop a flavor profile for food that has umami to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've I, chosen to use porcini powder mm-hmm. in a few of our dishes that kind of is a different flavor that people could might identify with. Mm-hmm. But, okay, it's mushroom. That's what they think, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Right. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a simple way and, uh, that people can understand. If you say, think mushrooms... Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to get an idea of what umami is, here's an interesting little tidbit here from the article. They say, what gives you the umami taste is the amino acid glutamate. And, but there's other ways you can also get the, an umami, uh, aging, caramelizing, drying, and fermenting. Well, they, actually, they intensify it. Interestingly, you know, MSG is controversial. So, I know salt, so salt is... Here's, here's what I'm going to say. 
one of the reasons why dry-aged beef has become such a popular item today on, on menus is because what does it have? What are all the char- categories you just said? Dry-aged, mm-hmm. intensify, okay? What is, so when you hang beef in a locker for 90 yeah. to 120 days or 200 days, it gets pretty umami. Right, totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, interestingly, though, they say that also you have uh, oyster sauce, miso we mentioned, Worcestershire sauce. They're saying that MSG is in Cool Ranch Doritos and Chick-fil-A sandwiches. <laughs> a lot of people like those. They yeah. have no yeah. idea yeah. it's in right. the problem. They that, have no clue. That doesn't surprise us at all. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it's all, okay, What was there was also a very, very popular cookbook called Acid, salt, fast, salt, fat, acid, heat. Yeah, yes. heat, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's sitting right so over there. rather than <laughs> rather than calling the cookbook umami, which no one would buy, they just uh-huh. they titled it acid, salt. Okay, yeah, and if yeah. you if you look at the cookbook, you go, there's nothing really new here. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you think about it as umami and another flavor profile, it's brand new, mm-hmm. right? And yet that was a New York Times best-selling cookbook. Yes, yeah. we've, we've seen the whole documentary I, twice. I, we've watched it twice. I have to say, like a lot of classical preparations of food is, you know, some of the prime things to get the flavor out of things are caramelizing. Reduction. Reduction, mm-hmm. aging. And these are all ways to get that umami flavor, which mm-hmm. is, um, it just hasn't been called that, but it's been used. It's a, people it's are recognizing it more. It's just a... Yeah. Yeah, savories are. It's bringing are out real, the flavor on yeah. an item, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, definitely savory. Uh, and something else I want to say that's kind of funny, and I, I, I apologize that I don't remember the source, but when MSG and I don't know if it's maybe still MSG is a big controversy. I think it is actually based on your Facebook post comments you got, Lori. Oh, I know. But somebody said, "Why doesn't all of Asia have a headache?" <laughs> right. Well, I think MSG is a little misunderstood too. It's it like, is very misunderstood. Um, it's not really. It has no flavor at all. It just brings out the flavor in exactly. most ingredients. Yeah. It's it's a um, item that's used in charcuterie and sausage for years because it brings out the flavor of proteins and vegetables and everything. So mm-hmm. totally. And you know what? And here's a, I'll, I'll say too. For a long time, I've had high blood pressure, and salt is supposed to be bad for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's not. It probably is bad for that. But after we watched Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat twice, and I read um, one-third of the way through the book, we act- I've actually been using salt a little bit more, but in certain ways where she shows... Like one of the things that uh, Samin says mm-hmm. is to, if you're going to have a steak, salt it the day before. Mm-hmm. And what, and, what is it, and what does it do? It draws out all the, the liquid. Mm-hmm. And concentrates. And concentrates the, the flavor, the flavor yeah. of mm-hmm. the beef. It's like a quick way of dry aging. So dry aging, yeah. what is, how do you dry age? You hang it in a locker that's co- coated with salt panels. Mm-hmm. And what does that do over the 90 to 120 days? It sucks all the moisture out of that beef mm-hmm. and concentrates the flavor. So all she's suggesting is that you do this. We're going to draw out the moisture, mm-hmm. and you're going to cook it now, and it's going to have a, a much different flavor. And how did how did mm-hmm. your steaks come out? Oh, uh, oh amazing! Amazing! Yeah. yeah. So I just want to say I was at I went to the doctor yesterday, 
and my blood pressure is the best it's ever been my entire adult life. And what kind of salts but, are you using? But I also have to say, you know, I don't just like eat whatever I want all the time because that would be really bad. But, you know, I've lost a few pounds. I've been exercising, you know, so you got to do, it's a whole, you got to, right. what's your lifestyle to Moderation. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Key. I, I agree with you. I yeah. always say everything in moderation. You could do everything just in moderation. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the be all of all evils. I think the perfect example is uh, Bragg's, which I think everybody uses now, which is a liquid amino acid. Okay, cool. And it's a flavoring, kind of like soy, but it's very beefy. It's probably umami. That's, I, I um, bet it is. the epitome of it. And uh, it's a great seasoning tool, and it's not bad for you like salt would be in large doses. And one thing they say, too, is neither is MSG. It's better for you than salt. Yeah. If you're using it right. as flavor enhancer. And I think we're That's exposed to a lot of different salts now, too, like the Himalayan pink and the yes. black salt. They're, they're a yeah. lot healthier than well, eating regular iodine. Think about sea salt and how it has become now right, the, the natural. So it's much the nutrients yeah. in it, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. We use, um, we use the, we have all, I have so many salts, I can't even yeah. begin to tell you how many salts I have. So I want to mention a couple more things that are kind of interesting from this same article in the Wall Street Journal. They mentioned Bravo TV's top chef. There's more in there with uh, Tom Colicchio, who's the producer and one of the judges and a chef, several restaurants. They're giving Top Chef some credit for popularizing umami. And then this book came out titled Umami Bomb, and it's a bunch of recipes that are all umami bombs. What's interesting is how it's evolved on one of the most recent episodes of Top Chef. I remember Colicchio's judging a dish, and he was saying how he liked it because it had great flavor without being an umami, umami bomb. bomb. Like he's tired of it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so. it's another trend. <laughs> Overkill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. So listeners, anybody with opinions on that, whether you agree or disagree with us, feel free to uh, send us some comments over on however you'd like to do that, whichever app you're listening on or website or Facebook. You can find us at stpetersburgfoodies.com. And I want to thank Marlon and Jed. And remember to check out Grace Restaurant on Paso Girl Beach. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. New on the blog is a review of Snapper's Sea Grill on St. Pete Beach. You will find that on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the podcast, we have Fred Forsley from Shipyard Brewing and Sea Dog Brew Pub on Treasure Island. If you'd like to email us, just send it to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. And that's a wrap for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Marlon Kaplan. And Jed Udelson. And thanks to our sponsors. Noble Crust. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery. Pacific Counter. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. 
And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Two hard shell crab dinners, pitcher ice cold beer, uh, baked or fries. Fries. One baked, one fried. I'll tell your waiter. <laughs>